Hi guys, it's Real Talk with Tracy. I've had my podcast now, oh gosh, I guess I'm going on three months in August. So in August it'll be three months. And I have listeners really all over the world. I want to thank everybody who's been listening. What I do is I tell real stories about my real life. And I like to call this the no bullshit zone. The reason why I'm calling it that is because when I'm talking about a topic, I'm completely open and honest about what happened, whether it's trying to help you, like to quit smoking, or maybe to lose weight, which is something I'm working on right now with Weight Watchers, or whether it's to entertain you, make you laugh, make you smile, make you feel that you're not alone in this crazy situation that we call life. I want to tell you about a little girl. And she was cute and chubby. And she had a very young mommy. And her mommy was beautiful. And her mommy would say to her every day, Who's the best mommy in the whole world? And she would look up and say, you are. You're the best mommy. Tell me again. Tell me who is the best mommy. You are. You're the best mommy in the whole world. And they were happy and they loved each other. And the mommy would give her lots of hugs and kisses and make her little treats and leave them out in the morning even if she slept in. And she would have, it was like magic. She would have a little plate with all these little compartments and little tinfoil wrappers of food to open up. And she would have all sorts of goodies. And it was like Christmas time every weekend. And she would sit in front of the TV on a Saturday and watch cartoons. And her mommy and daddy would wake up and they would go places and they would take her to Disneyland and they would celebrate Christmas. And she would have birthday parties. And her mommy loved her so much. And she used to tell the little girl, you're the most beautiful girl. You're the most little, cutest, most beautiful little girl in the entire world. And she'd say, I am. And her mommy would say, yes, you are the prettiest little girl in the whole world. And who's the best mommy? You are, you're the best mommy, you're the best mommy in the whole world. And she would ask the little girl almost every day, who's the best mommy? Who's the best mommy in the whole world? And the little girl would try to fill her empty space of sadness by telling her, you are, you're the best mommy in the whole world. And time went on, and her parents started arguing a lot, and her mommy started crying. Her mommy started crying a lot. There was a doctor that came to the house when her mommy was sitting in a chair staring at the wall for hours on end, and there was nothing the little girl could do to cheer up the mommy, and her dad leaves, so now she's alone. She's alone with her mommy, and her mommy is 
drinking all day and running with a bunch of new friends and doing cocaine and Percodan and there's cases of plum wine being brought into the house as well as strangers and sometimes in the middle of the night and her mommy goes out dancing and brings home strange men at two, two and three in the morning and wakes up her little daughter and says, hey, everybody, this is my kid. She plays the piano and she pulls me over in my nightgown and sits me on the piano stool so I can perform like a monkey with an accordion player. You ever seen one of those little trained monkeys and the accordion players? So, of course, I wanted to make her happy and I would do this. I would entertain and sing and play the piano for these strange people that were coming over, these strangers in the middle of the night. And then the mommy started leaving. She started leaving sometimes up to a week and the little girl who was me was all by herself and the house was scary because it was on a lake and it was very dark outside and there was a lot of big windows and Gloria which was my mother had had a lot of parties and entertained a lot of men and they would just come by whenever and sometimes they would knock on the door when she wasn't home. And I would never open the door. And they would try to get me to open the door. And I was very scared. And I was 12 years old. And I would be in her bedroom in the back of the house at Malibu Lake, balled up in a comforter, so scared, so alone not understanding what happened to my mother, who was the best mommy in the whole world. What happened? And one day she came home and she said to me, my whole life, it's been all about you. And now it's my turn. My life is gonna be all about me not about you, not anymore. Now, at the time, as a 12-year-old little girl developing, I'm not understanding what this all means. All I know is that she's leaving, sometimes for up to a week. Sometimes she comes in the middle of the night with strange people, sometimes groups of people, sometimes just one or two men. Uh, I don't know if she's coming or not coming. So it left me in a very fight or flight type feeling. And she became my monster. My mother, who was at one time beautiful, talented, artistic, loving. She was the center of my world. She was the center of my universe 
became a living nightmare. And I became very afraid of her. She told me once, if you tell grandma and grandpa what's going on, I will tear your limbs off one by one. And I believed her. She also told me as she came over and grabbed and squeezed my arm, you know, I killed someone. I was in the army and I was raped by a woman in the army and I killed her with my bare hands. I killed her, but don't worry, as she squeezed my arm tighter and tighter and tighter, I would never hurt you. And at that point, folks, I was done. I didn't want to be there anymore. She also said to me, and I'm not really your mother. You know your Aunt Janice? That's really your mother. I'm just a glorified babysitter. We adopted you when you were an infant. And so I'm not even really your mother. And as I was starting to become, get my period at 12, become a young woman, develop into a young adult, she kind of banished me. Didn't want anything to do with me other than to entertain her guest when she would bring people over. She was a drunk. She was completely out of control and out of her mind. And it just scared the crap out of me. So I was in gifted classes at school and I went to my teachers and I said, I need you to take me to the police station because I need to get out of there before something happens. I'm really afraid. So went to the police station, filed a report against her, and I went into foster care. And let me tell you, foster care for me was such a relief. Being able to lay down your head on the pillow and know that you're safe, that nobody's going to be coming in in the middle of the night, um, it was just, it was great. It was so good. I was around other children. Um, I got along with them. The lady who was the foster mother was very, very nice to me. And I was there for a short time before my dad, who's technically my uncle, um, came and got me out of there. And um, we have a good relationship now, but I got to tell you, he was, he was also a difficult person, you know, very critical. Um judgmental. There was a lot of, you know, you're lazy, you're stupid, you're not going to amount to anything. I remember hearing a lot of that growing up. 
And to be honest with you guys, I was tired. I had Hashimoto's thyroid disease for probably as long as I can remember. I wasn't diagnosed until like 18 when I took myself to a doctor. But I was always just tired. I was constipated. Um, I was always like mentally sharper than I was physically being able to keep up just because I was tired. And I think a lot of it had to do with uh, this medical condition, this Hashimoto's. So anyway, didn't really feel like I wanted to be with my dad. Um, he would leave usually on Fridays to be with his girlfriend and he wouldn't come home until like Monday night. So I would be alone all those weekends by myself. And gotta be honest, I ran wild. I was a wild girl going out dancing four or five nights a week. Um, have regrets, but I gotta tell you the story ends great because I married the most wonderful man ever and I have a good marriage. A really great marriage. I married my hero, my soulmate. I'm very fortunate. So let's go back now to Gloria. So things weren't going so great either at my dad's. And I decided I was going to give it a chance now that I'm older and go back and stay with her. And she was as crazy as ever. And... I wound up finally moving in with my husband, my husband that I currently have now for 35 to 37 years. We've been dating 37 years. We've been married 35 years. I moved in with him. Um, he was my boyfriend then. And I only saw Gloria one time since I got together with Jay. I really... She was really a poison, and I really didn't want him to see her or meet her or be around her. And I feared her for years. I went years and years and years to counseling trying to get over the abuse. When we lived on Roscoe Boulevard, my husband and I, before we were married, I used to be afraid to go from the bedroom to the kitchen and get a glass of water at night. Because I would picture her sitting there uh, on the couch with an axe waiting for me. So this went on for a couple years and I decided um, I was going to fly in my cousin from up north. I think I had some frequent flyer miles. And we found where she was living. And I went and I saw her. And what I saw was a pathetic old woman and I actually had some kind of pity for her she got with this guy that was 20 years younger that was a drunk and a drug addict who never worked they wound up staying together for the last 40 years my mother who used to tell me I was the most beautiful little girl in the world she never reached out to me in 40 years. 
never. She never picked up the phone and said, I miss you. You're my daughter. I love you. She basically adopted me just to fulfill a need that she had as she was the ultimate narcissist. And the need she had was to feel important, to feel loved. You know, she wasn't able to carry any kids on her own and bring them into the world. And I think maybe that was for a reason. Sometimes God plans things for a reason. And when she got me, it was always, who's the best mommy in the whole world? Who's the best mommy? Tell me. Fill me up. I'm so insecure. I feel so inadequate about myself. I mean, she never said that. But she was constantly looking for that attention. And when she flipped during her nervous breakdown and started doing a lot of drinking and doing a lot of drugs and hanging out with, you know, crazy people... All I could do was leave and save myself. That's all I could do. She was like a tidal wave and I was drowning. And that was all I could do was to just go. And a friend of mine borrowed my counselor's car. I remember I was 15. We went to the house when she wasn't home. I packed up a little bag. I was out of there and in foster care. And I really feel that it saved my life. Um... Later on, down the road, I was still friends with her sister, who was my biological mother, and her sister Jan. I loved her very much. I knew her as Aunt Janice, but she too had her issues, and she was extremely neurotic, and it got to the point where I could never handle listening to all of her problems. I just couldn't do it, you guys. She had never stepped up to take me when I was in foster care. She was co-raising two other kids by another marriage. When I was in foster care, she knew I was being abused at home, and I would call her. Janice, please, please come get me. This was like me at 12 years old. I am so scared. Gloria's bringing men home in the middle of the night. I'm really scared. Can you please come get me or I'll get a ride there? I want to live with you. I, 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 I can't, I can't stay here anymore. And she wouldn't step up to the plate, guys. She wouldn't do it. She didn't do it. She was a pharmacy at Tech at Kaiser in North Hollywood. She had a good job. She had a little apartment. I was proud of her. And then she remarried for the sixth or seventh time, okay? And he had two little kids, and she was co-raising them on weekends while her own flesh and blood was sitting in foster care. So, I hadn't seen her in over 20 years. And you know what? I wished her well. I loved her. 
I wished I would tell my friends if she could just be the cashier at Kmart, but be normal, just a normal person. If she could just be, she doesn't have to be famous. She doesn't have to be that accomplished. Just a normal everyday person, someone you could go out with, have coffee, have a conversation that goes back and forth. That's not all about them. But both of them were very um, self-focused and she had a constant barrage of problems, which she wanted to vomit on me continually. And she would not get up off the couch to make a difference in her life. And I couldn't stand it anymore. Um, I met with a woman's group today and I was telling them having a relationship with her was like drinking from a firing hose. It was either full blast. <laughs> there was no little like tinkle coming out of the hose. It was full blast and it was 24 seven and I couldn't breathe. And I decided I wasn't going to see her anymore over 20 years ago. And I said to her, I love you and I want you to have a great life. Truly, I do. But I cannot shoulder all the weight of your problems and all the weight of everything I've gone through. I can't handle it because I'm going to break and I need to put myself first. And guys, that's what I did. I put myself first and I cut off the relationship. So last October, during COVID, I find out that Gloria, who was still a drunk, living with her drunk, loser, younger, she finally married him, uh, guy, who never worked a day in his life since he'd been with her for 40 years. He lived off of her. And she had gone into hospice because I believe I heard from my cousin, she fell down and broke her hip. Anyway, I got word that she died. And my cousin, who's very loving and very caring, who has another mother, the third sister, bunch of crazy sisters, um, she called and said, you know, I really think that we should let Jan, who's my biological mom, I think we should let her know that Gloria died. And I said, you know, they don't even have a relationship. I don't, I just don't know if it's a good idea to even reach out. And, you know, my cousin is just such a wonderful person. She's like, oh, gosh, I, I just really feel like it's the right thing to do. How do you feel about it? And I said, you know what? If you want to do that, that's great. So she called her. And the next day I get a call from my cousin. And she said, you're, you're not going to believe this. And I said, well, what? She said, Janice died the same week as Gloria and I said are you sure and she said well I see her obituary here look look on the internet so I go to the internet and I look and it showed where the body was cremated and I called and they told me indeed yes your mother died so my aunt that raised me 
and her sister, who was my biological mother, both died within the same week during COVID. They were both in convalescent hospitals. And I gotta tell you, I didn't cry for Gloria, but I cried a lot for Janice. I cried the river. And I called the place where she was cremated and I left my phone number and I said, do you know who's getting her ashes? And she said, her pastor, who she's very good friends with, has been overseeing her care. And I said, will you please have him call me? And she took my number and he called me. And he called me and he said, your mother loved you so much. And she wanted to have a relationship with you so much, but she knew how neurotic and how difficult she was. And she understood in a way why you didn't want to see her. And she wasn't mad about it. She wasn't mad at you. She was proud of you and she loved you. And, you know, I was telling him, God, I don't even deserve to have her ashes. I mean, he's like, yes, you do. So him and his wife from Orange County got in the car. And a week or two later, they were out here sitting in our backyard and we got them lunch and they came over and there was boxes of pictures. Um, There was an enormous amount of jewelry, which Janice bought over the years. There wasn't one piece left. And that's fine, but I don't know where it went. You gotta kinda wonder. Why didn't they reach out to me to let me know she was sick? Why? strange because I would have gone and I would have seen her but nobody told me and I had no idea so um I got my mom's my aunt mom's whatever my biological mom's I have her ashes here and I bought a beautiful urn I went through all the pictures 80% of them was pictures of her husband with their with his kids who she co-raised. I packed up two big boxes, spent a couple hundred dollars, and sent all these pictures out to uh, Mindy. And I'm glad that she could have those because she didn't have even one picture um, from them. And her dad had passed away as well. So, so I feel... You know, it's it's mixed feelings on how I feel. Um, I'm so sad that neither one of my mothers got to see me and really know me as an adult. Got to enjoy and see our home, uh, just the way my home is decorated. Um, we shared a love, the three of us, of art. You know, there was, they they missed my whole life, you guys. They missed everything. All the Thanksgivings, 
all the Christmases. And it's heartbreaking because, you know, my biological dad came back in my life when I was 18. There's another podcast about him. And in a lot of ways, he missed my whole life too. What you're talking about here is a lot of very narcissistic people that are really just self-focused on themselves. And I don't know what causes that. I don't know if it's when you're raised that you're given everything and so you feel like the world just revolves around you. I don't know. I don't know. What I do know is that my uncle, who I consider my father, who raised me, is back in my life now. And I have forgiven everything uh, that I was mad about growing up. I have been able to let go of that and to really cherish the moments that I have with him. He's going to be 89. You know, he's really up there in years. I can appreciate his humor. And I really have no expectation other than for, other than for him to be respectful of me and to not cross, you know, any boundaries with being disrespectful. So as long as he's going to be loving and respectful, he will be part of my life. And I've been able to do that pretty much because I was so devastated when I found out Janice died. <sighs> my husband looked at me and he said, do you really want to go through this angst, this heartache when your dad goes because you haven't talked to him in like five or six years. And, you know, my dad reached out. My dad actually, he reached out the day after Gloria died, which is really weird. It's like, it's like a Twilight Zone movie, okay? It's like, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. It's like, it's so weird, okay? Gloria dies. My dad calls me to ask for my forgiveness. A couple days later, Jan dies. Okay, three people who don't talk to each other for 40 years, okay? And the timing was all of this emotional stuff hit me all in the same week. So I gotta tell you, it was pretty overwhelming, but I've gotten through it. Um, it feels good to be able to share my story, even though like you don't know everything. But it feels good to be able to talk about it, to be able to not feel so shameful and hiding. You know, when I was working, you know, I didn't want anyone to know about any of this, you know, because everybody else has great families and they're having like the holidays with their families. Oh, did you have a great holiday with your family? You know, so it was very shameful it was very hurtful. I have good friends that have, have invited me in, you know, to be at like their events, but I still don't feel like part of it. You know what I mean? I'm like the outsider, 
you know, it's like all of them are hugging and kissing and smooching and their family. But I do have a great relationship with God. I have just the best husband ever who is my best friend. And you guys, that's my saving grace. That is, I think, I think God sent him to me right across the dance floor. That's what happened. He slid across the dance floor, <laughs> the dance floor right into my arms. And let me tell you, he was hot on the dance floor. He had women, a lot of women after him. But uh, I'm the one that got to marry him. And he's an amazing person. And for that, I am so, so grateful. I am grateful that I have my cousin who I adore in my life. I am grateful that I've been able to meet my biological half-brother. That's another story, which I will do on a separate podcast. I'm grateful for a lot of things. And unfortunately, I never had kids because I was too afraid. And you know, it just never happened. Jay and I never got pregnant, or I think I would have just, we would have done it. But it didn't happen. I've had really great nieces and nephews on his side. I've had a lot of joy and a lot of love in my life, even though sometimes I feel very alone like I'm really missing out, especially Jewish holidays, because even though I'm Christian, I'm also a Jew, and I don't have those people to, I don't have my people. I'm the lonely Jew. I was telling someone, I'm going to get a t-shirt. No, I'm not going to do that. But I feel like that. I feel like the lonely, the lonely Jew. I, I don't have anyone to have Passover and all these different Jewish holidays with, and that, that's really hurtful. That's really hard. But what I do have, and the cup is definitely not half empty, but half full, is I have these great people in my life and super great friends. And I'm very, 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 very fortunate. So anyway, guys, I try to keep these under a half an hour. This one was 34 minutes. I appreciate you letting me share bits of my life with you. I hope if you're going through similar crap that you will feel like you're not so alone in it. And my podcasts are to entertain, inspire, help you. And they will be there, hopefully, always, even when I'm gone. Because we're all going one day. I'm hoping to make it to like maybe, I don't know, 85, 89, as long as I'm in good health. But um, I like the idea that I can leave this, uh, all these stories, for other people. It really makes me feel good. And I met a lady today at the meetup group I started, and she was so complimentary and really liked my podcast, and it really touched my heart. It really... It really made it all worth it, and it really made me feel good. So anyway, guys, I still ask myself, why, why, why didn't my mother get better, either one of them? Why didn't 
I mean, why didn't, why didn't Gloria reach out? Do you know what Gloria did? She willed to her loser husband, the one that they used to beat each other up. I heard from my cousin through the grapevine and talked to the neighbor after she died. The police used to be called to go there all the time, so they used to beat each other up. This is the relationship she wanted in her life. Not a relationship with a loving, caring daughter, but a loser guy who never worked, got his license taken away, um, and was abusive. And they were abusive to each other. They were both very abusive to each other. So he sold the house, I think, three to five days after she died. And he got $675,000. Did she ever think of me to even leave me a letter, a piece of jewelry, anything? Nothing. Nothing. I was completely forgotten. And I think it's just... I may take this to my grave, you guys. I, it, it may take a lifetime to get past being able to accept that this woman who I adored and loved and admired and looked up to as a little girl completely forgot me and abandoned me completely in every way possible. But anyway, on a happier note, oh shit. I don't want to be a downer. Let's be happy now. Let's be happy again. Thank you for letting me share this part of my journey with you. And please feel free to listen to other podcasts and share them. You've been listening to... Hi, guys. Real Talk with Tracy. Bye for now, guys. Bye-bye.